Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Hello, readers. No, listeners. Well, I know they're readers, too. Or maybe they're not readers. Maybe they listen to this instead of reading. No, they're not reading it, though. Well, yeah, but usually, you know, reading to kids, they usually probably like reading. Or maybe they're like, they have to read at school. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket. Book the Ninth. The Carnivorous Carnival. (laughs) (laughs) This kid is sick, sicky, sickaroo. Do I have to just go to school on Tuesday? Yes. Darn. I know. So close, huh? I'm sorry. The sniffles doesn't get you out of going to school. I have a sore throat. Oh, 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 oh. If you could play, you could go to school. And I think it's a, a scotch. Just a scotch of a sore throat. You're not crying. And it's probably mostly post-nasal drip. Do you know what that is? No. Okay, it's the little snotty snot going down your throat. Is it, like, worse in the morning? Yes. Yep. Knew it. Post-nasal drip. What exactly is that? I don't know. But that's what somebody once told me, and I was like, okay, that makes sense. P.S. I'm not a doctor. I'm an herbalist. But Peyton will not take anything herbal. I even made really yummy elderberry and echinacea. It's not yummy. It's not gross. I mean, compared to, like, medicine, that's not I'd gross. I'd rather have medicine. <laughs> but I made it with love. I literally made you guys elderberry okay. and echinacea syrup. Well, would you rather have me lie? Yes. Wow! <laughs> <Did you're- laughs> no, I'd rather have you lie and say, this is delicious, and then drink it because I know it's really good for you. Okay, anyways, let's get to this. Chapter 6. There are many difficult things in this world to hide, but a secret is not one of them. It is difficult to hide an airplane, for instance, because you generally need to find a deep hole or an enormous haystack and sneak the airplane inside in the middle of the night. But it is easy to hide a secret about an airplane because you can merely write it on a tiny piece of paper and tape it to the bottom of your mattress and any time... Wait, tape it to the mattress any time you are at home. Okay. These run-on sentences like make me run out of breath. It's difficult to hide a symphony of orchestra or a symphony orchestra because you're usually needing to rent a soundproof room and borrow as many sleeping bags as you can find. But it is easy to hide a secret about a symphony orchestra because you can merely whisper it into an ear of a trustworthy friend or music critic. And it is difficult to hide yourself because you sometimes need to stuff yourself in a trunk of an automobile or concoct a disguise out of whatever you can find but it is easy to hide a secret about yourself because you can merely type it into a book and hope it falls into the right hands my dear sister if you are reading this i am still alive is it their dad that's writing this no oh okay and i'm heading to the north to try and find you they're the boater layers not the snickets well i didn't know if it was like a, a secret name or something 
Had the Baudelaire orphans been looking for an airplane as they stepped inside Madame Lulu's fortune-telling tent, they would have known to look for the tip of a wing sticking out from under an enormous black tablecloth decorated with shiny silver stars, which hung over a table in the center of the tent. Had they been looking for a symphony orchestra, they would have known to listen to the sound of someone coughing or bumping up against an obi. Is that what it's called? The, an obi? The instrument? I don't know. Me either. As they hid in the corners of the tent, which were covered in heavy curtains, but the children were not looking for methods of air travel or professional musicians. They were looking for secrets, and the tent was so big that they scarcely knew where to begin. Was there bad news of the Baudelaire's hidden in the cupboard that stood in the entrance? Could there be information about the Snicket file? Okay, I feel like you're going to hit me with that. <gasps> hidden in the Snicket file? Oh no, I lost my space. Uh, uh, the Snicket file stuffed in the large trunk that stood in the corners? And was it possible? You can still do that, yeah. Was it possible for the children to find out the meaning of VFD by gazing into the crystal ball placed in the center table? Violet, Klaus, and Sunny looked around the tent. Violet and Klaus, okay, okay, now you're just rocking. Violet and Klaus and Sunny looked around the tent and then at one another and seemed that the secrets concern, concerning them could be hidden just about anywhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm popping her toes. <laughs> Where do you think we should look, Violet asked. I don't know, Klaus replied, squinting all around him. I'm not even sure what to look for. Well, maybe we should look for the answers <laughs> the way that Count Olaf did, said Violet. He told the whole story of telling of the tel- fortune-telling experience. I remember, Klaus said. First, he entered Madame Lulu's tent. We've done that. Then he, then he said they turned out all the lights. The Baudelaire's looked up and noticed that the first time the first time the ceiling of the tent was decorated with small lights in the shape of stars, matching the stars on the tablecloth. Switch, Sunny said, pointing to a pair of switches attached to a tent pole. Good work, said Sunny. Or, Good work, Sunny, said Violet. Here, Klaus. <laughs> Walk with me so I can get a look at those switches. The two Baudelaire's walked freakishly over to the pole, but when they reached the switches, Violet frowned and shook her head. What's wrong? Klaus asked. I wish I had a ribbon, said Violet, to tie up my hair. It's so hard to think seriously with my powdery hair getting into my eyes, but my hair ribbon is somewhere in him, in him Heimlich. Her voice tra- trailed off, and Klaus saw that she had reached her hand into the pocket of Count Olaf's pants and was drawing a ribbon out of drawing out a ribbon that looked just like the one she used to wore. Where? Oh, that she usually wore. <gasps> Yours, Sunny said. It is mine, Violet said, looking at it closely. Count Olaf must have kept it here when he was preparing for surgery, and he left it in his pocket. Well, I'm glad you got it back, Klaus said, with a slight shudder. I don't think... I don't like to think about Olaf getting his filthy hands on, my, on our possessions. Do you need some help trying to get my your hair up? It might be difficult using one hand, and I don't think that you should take the other one out from under the shirt. We don't want to mess up our disguise. I think I can manage it with one hand, Violet said. Ah, there we go. It feels so much less like, oh, it feels less like a freak when I look like Violet Baudelaire with my hair up like this. Now let's see. Both switches were attached to the wires that ran up to the top of the tent. One of them obviously controls the lights and one of them, but what does the other one do? The Baudelaire's looked up again and saw something else attached to the ceiling of the tent. Between the stars, 
Between the stars was a small round mirror hanging from a piece of metal which held an odd held at an odd angle. Attached to the metal was a long strip of rubber which led to a large large knot of wires and gears which in turn was attached to some more mirrors arranged in sh- in a sort of a wheel. What? Sunny asked. I don't know, Klaus said. I, uh, it sure doesn't look like anything. Okay, pay. So, I read I read a lot about it. Oh, I, any my gosh. It sure doesn't look like anything I've read about. It's an invention of some sort, Violet said, look studying it carefully. She began to point different point out different parts of the strange device, but it was as if she was talking to herself instead of her siblings. That piece of rubber band looks like a belt a, a fan belt. Okay. Sorry. My gosh, stop. Which transmits torque from an automotive engine into help to cool the radiator. But why would you want to? Oh, I see. It moves the other mirror around. Which, but how, wait a minute. Klaus said, Klaus, see that small hole in the upper corner of the tent? Not without my glasses, Klaus said. Well, there's a small rip up there, Violet said. What direction are we facing if we face the small hole? Let me think for a moment, Klaus said. Last night, the sun was setting as we got out of the car. Yarat, Sunny said, which means, oh, I remember the famous Henderland sunset. And the car is over there, Klaus said, turning around. So that way is west, and the rip of the tent faces east. East, Violet said with a smile. The direction of the sunrise. East, Violet said, the direction of the sunrise. That's right, Klaus said. But what does that have to do with anything? (laughs) Violet said nothing and just stood there with a smile at her siblings, and Klaus and Sunny smiled back. Even with a fake scar penciled on her face, Violet was smiling in the way the other other Baudelaire's recognized at once. It was the sort of smile that appeared when Violet had figured out a difficult problem, usually having to do with an invention of some sort. She had smiled this way when her siblings were in jail, and when she figured out how how a pitcher of water would help break them out. She had smiled this way when she had looked over some of the evidence that she had in a suitcase, which could convince Mr. Poe that their Uncle Monty had been murdered, and she was smiling this way now because she looked up at the strange device on the ceiling and then back down at the two switches on the wall. Watch this, she said, and flipped the first switch. Immediately, the gears began to spin with the long strip of the rubber band as it began to move, and the wheel of the mirrors became whirling in a circle. But what does it do, Klaus said. Listen, Violet said, and the children could hear a low, buzzing hum coming from the machine. That's the hum that Count Olaf was talking about. He thought it was coming from the crystal ball, but it was coming from the invention. I thought a magical hum sounded fishy, Klaus said. Legwer, Sunny said, which meant... But what, what about the lighting? You see how the larger mirror is angled, Violet said. It's pointed so that it reflects any light that comes out of the small hole of the tent. There isn't any light coming from it, Klaus said. Well, not now, said Violet, because the hole's facing east. And in the late afternoon. But in the morning when Madame Le- Lulu does her fortune telling, the sun is rising and the light, shine, the light of the sunrise would shine right through the mirror. And that... And that mirror would reflect it onto the other mirrors, putting it in motion by the torcated belt. Wait, Klaus said, I don't understand. Oh my gosh, he's like us. 
That's okay, Violet said. Count Olive doesn't understand either. When he walks in the tent in the morning, Madame Lulu turns on the invention and the room is filled with flickering lights. Remembering when I remember when I used to use the refraction light to make signal devices to, at Lake Lacrimose? It's the same thing, but Lulu tells him that it's a magical lighting. But wouldn't Olaf look up and see that it wasn't magical lighting? Oh, not if the lights were off, Violet said, flickering in the other flicking off the other switch. It's above above them, and the stars went out. The cloth of the tent was so thick that no lighting from the outside shone in, but the Baudelaire's found themselves in utter darkness. It reminded the children of when they were climbing down the elevator of the shaft six of six six seven Dark Avenue. Oh, the elevator shaft of six six seven Dark Avenue. Except that had been silent, and they were surrounded by the sound of the machine's hum. Eerie, Sonny said. It is spooky, Klaus agreed. No wonder Olaf thought he was thought it was a magical hum. Imagine how it would feel if the room were flickering with lightning, Violet said. That's the sort of trickery that makes people believe in fortune-telling. So Madame Lulu was fake, Klaus said. Violet flicked both switches again, and the lights went on went on as the invention went off. She's a fake, all right, Violet said. I bet that crystal ball is just plain glass. She tricks Count Olaf into thinking she's a fortune-teller, so he'll buy her things like lions and turbans. But how was she always telling them where they were, Pay? You'll see. Is she real? Just you'll see. Oh, she's so good at keeping secrets. She didn't, Sunny said. She didn't, Sunny. Oh, wait. Uh, how were... Okay. I missed a spot. Turban. Chess row, Sunny asked and looked up at her siblings. By chess row, Sunny meant something along the lines of, but if she's a fake, how did she know that one of her parents were alive, but her siblings were almost afraid the answer to answer? She didn't, Sunny, Violet said quietly. Madame Lulu's information is just as fake as her magic lighting. Oh, how sad they think that their parents are alive and all for nothing, huh? Mm -hmm. Right? All for yes. nothing because they're not alive? I don't know. Yes. No, no. Oh my god, you said yes. No, I don't know. No, no. You're trying to trick us all. Yeah. <laughs> Sunny made a small, quiet sound that that her siblings could scarcely hear behind the beard and behind her beard and hugged Violet and Klaus's leg while her little body shivered with sadness. Suddenly, it was Sunny's turn to bear the burden of Baudelaire grief, but she didn't bear it for long because Klaus thought of something that made the Baudelaire's collect themselves. Wait a minute, Klaus said. Madame Lulu may be a fake, but her information may be real. After all, she always told Count Olaf where we were staying, and she was right about that. That's what I said. That's what I said. Okay, oh gosh, Peyton's smiling like she knows something we don't know. That's true, Violet said. I forgot about that. Well, after all, Klaus said, searching, for difficulty, searching with difficulty into his pocket, we first thought that one of our parents might be alive after we read this. He unfolded a piece of paper that his sisters recognized as a 13 page of the six Snicket file was a paragraph of was there was a paragraph stapled to the page which showed the Baudelaire parents standing next to the man standing next to one man the Baudelaires had met briefly at the village of Fal devotees in one of the hello sorry my phone fell beep it up beep, 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 don't hate us 
Um, mm, okay. Below the photograph was a sentence Klaus had read so many times that he did not need to read it again. Because of this evidence discussed on page nine, experts now suspect that there may be, in fact, a survivor in the of the fire, but the survivor's whereabouts are unknown, he recited. Maybe Madame Lulu knows about this. But how, Violet said. Well, let's see, Klaus said. Count Olaf said that after the appearance of a magical lightning, Madame Lulu told him to close his eyes so she could concentrate. There, Sonny said, pointing to the table of the crystal ball. No, Sonny, Violet said, the crystal ball couldn't tell her. It's not magical, remember? There, Sonny insisted and walked over to the table. Violet and Klaus followed her, walking awkwardly and saw what she was pointing at. Snicking out, sticking, sorry, sticking out from under the tablecloth was a tiny speck of white. Kneeling down in their shared, kneeling down in their shared pant, the older Baudelaire's could see it was the edge of a piece of paper. Good thing you're closer to the ground than we are, Sunny, Klaus said. We never would have noticed that. But what is it, Violet asked, sliding it out from under the tablecloth. Klaus reached into his pocket again. And removed removed his glasses and put them back on. Now I feel like less of a freak and more like myself, he said with a smile. He began to read it out loud. My dear Duchess, your masked ball sounds like a fantastic evening and I look forward to his voice trailed off as he scanned the rest of the page. It's just a note about some party, he said. What's it doing under the tablecloth, Violet asked. Doesn't seem important to me, Klaus said, but... I guess it's important enough to hide enough for Lulu to hide it. Well, let's see what else she's hiding, Violet said, and lifted the end of the tablecloth. All three Baudelaire's gasped. It may seem strange, strange to read that there was a library underneath Madame Lulu's table, but the Baudelaire orphans knew that these were that there are almost as many kinds of libraries as there are readers, and the children had just encountered a private library at home. Of justice at the home of Justice Strauss, who they missed very much, and a scientific library at the home of Uncle Monty, who would, they would never see again. They had seen an academic library at Prufrock Preparatory School and a library at Lucky Smells Lumber Mill that was understocked, a word here which meant empty except three books. There are public libraries and medical libraries, secret libraries and forbidden libraries, libraries of records and libraries of auction catalogs, and there are archival libraries, which is a fancy term for a collection of files and documents that, rather than books. Archival libraries are usually found at universities, museums, or other quiet places, such as underneath the table where people can go and examine whatever papers they'd like in order to find the information that they need. The Baudelaire orphans gazed at the enormous pile of papers that were stuffed underneath the table and realized that Madame Lulu had an archival library just th- that just contained the information that they were looking for. <gasps> Does she have the snicket file? No, no, she said no. Look, okay, look at this, Violet said. There are newspaper articles, magazines, letters, files, photographs, all sorts of documents. Madame Lulu tells people to close their eyes and concentrate, and then she looks at all this material and finds the answers. They can't, they can't hear a shuffling paper closet over the hum of the lighting device. It's like taking a test, Violet said, with all the answers hidden in your school desk. Cheat, Sunny said. She is cheating, Klaus said. Maybe 
but maybe her cheating can help us. Look, here's an article from the Daily Punctilio. Village of Fowl devotees to to participate in the new Guardian program, Violet said, peering over his shoulder at the headline. The Council of Elders... The Council of Elders announced yesterday that they would care for the troublesome Baudelaire orphans, Klaus read, as the party of the city government's new program inspired by the aphorism, It Takes a Village to Raise a Child. That's how Count Olaf found us, Violet said. Madame Lulu pretended that her crystal ball told us where we were, but she just read the newspaper. Klaus flipped through the pile until he saw his own name on the list. Look, he said, it's a list of new students at Proof Rock Preparatory School. Somehow, Madame Lulu got a hold of it and passed it on to Olaf. Us, Sunny said, showing a photograph of her siblings. Violet and Klaus looked at it and saw their sister was right. The youngest Baudelaire had found a small blurry picture and the three Baudelaires were sitting on the edge of Democle's dock where they had arrived to stay with their aunt, Josephine. In the background, they could see Mr. Poe reaching a hand out for, to call a taxi. When Violet stared grump, grump, gloomily into the paper sack, there are peppermints. Mis- oh, those are the peppermints that Mr. Poe gave us, Violet said quietly. I'd almost forgotten about that. But who took this? Who was watching us? Back, Sunny said, and turned the photo over. On the back, someone had written something in messy handwriting about the children. Handwriting the children could scarcely read. I think it said, this might be hopeful, Klaus said. Or helpful, Violet said. This might be helpful. And it signed with one initial, and I, and I, I think it's an R, or maybe a K. But who would want a photograph of us? It gives me the shivers to think that somebody took our picture that we didn't know. Klaus said, that means somebody could be taking our photograph at any moment. The Baudelaire's looked around hurriedly but could see no photographer lurking lurking in the tent. Let's calm Let's calm down, Violet said. Remember the time that we watched a scary movie when we were with our parents for the evening and we were jumpy for the rest of the night? Every time we hear a noise, we thought the vampires were breaking into the house to take us away. Maybe maybe somebody was breaking into the house to take us away, Klaus said, and pointed to the photograph. Sometimes things can go on right in front of your nose, but you just don't know about them. Heebie-jeebies, Sunny said, which meant something like, let's get out of here. Me too, Violet said, but let's take all these documents with us. Maybe we can find some place to, to look through them and find the information we want. Well, we can't take all the papers with us, Klaus said. There are stacks and stacks. It looks like we'd... It look- it would be like checking out every single book of the library just to find the one you want to read. Well, we'll stuff our pockets, Violet said. My pockets are already stuffed, Klaus said, and I have thir- I have the 13th page of the Snicket file and all of the fragments of the Quagmire notebook. What, three pages? How many, how many pages of the Quagmire notebook do they have? Two? A lot? Maybe we can look through it quickly right here, Violet said, and take anything that has our names on it. That's not the best method of research, Klaus said, but I guess we'll ha- it'll have to do. Here, help me find the tablecloth so we can, set- we can see everything better. Violet and Klaus began to lift the tablecloth together, but it was quite difficult to do that with their disguises on. Like eating an ear of corn, lifting a tablecloth while sharing a shirt was trickier than it looked. And the tablecloth slid back and forth as the, other old- as the older Baudelaire struggled with it. As I'm sure you know, if you slide a tablecloth cloth back and forth the thing sitting on the tablecloth will slide too 
Oh my gosh. And Madame Lulu's crystal ball began to slide closer and closer to the edge of the table. Meshup, Sunny said. Sunny's right, Violet said. Let's be careful. Sunny, I mean, right, Klaus said. We don't want... Klaus did not get to finish his sentence about what he and his sisters did not want because a dull thunk and a loud clattering crash had sent... His his sentence was finished for him once... One of the most troublesome things in life is that what you do not want has very little to do with what does or doesn't happen. You might want to become the sort of author who works calmly at home, for example, but something could happen, right? That would lead you, uh, something would happen that would lead you to become the sort of author who works frantically in the homes of other people, often without their knowledge. You might want to marry somebody you love very much, but something could happen to them and prevent the two of you from ever seeing each other again. You might want to find out something more important about your parents, but something could happen and you wouldn't find out for quite some time. And you might want a particular... You might want at a particular moment for a crystal ball not to fall off the table and shatter into a thousand pieces. And even if it happens that the crystal ball does shatter, you might not want the sound to attract anyone's attention. But the sad truth is... It's sad. And that what you don't want, it does not matter. (laughs) A series of unfortunate events can happen to anyone, no matter what they want. And even the three children did not want to flap, did not want the flap of the fortune-telling tent to open. And they did not want Madame Lou to step inside as the afternoon turned into evening at Caligari Carnival. Everything happened to the orphans that they did not want at all. Is that true? Oh, God, I'm nervous. Oh, they're just, they are, is it a new chapter? Yeah, they're really, I'm trying to think of a word that's appropriate. Screwed. (laughs) That's what I was going to say, but I didn't know if that was appropriate. Yeah, they're screwed. (laughs) Is that a bad word? No. Okay, yeah, okay, cool, they're screwed.